Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to the grand return of How's That Day, a culture rundown with Tom and Phil. I am Phil Wiedenheft, here to introduce you to my co-host, as always, Mr. Thomas Bond. Each week, Tom and I get together to chat about how our days have been going and how we are working through our thoughts on what's going on in pop culture. I will start this week with the same question I ask him every week. Tom, it's a crazy time, and it's been a long time since we recorded. How's that day? Hi, Phil. Uh, you know, day's good. Uh, <laughs> I slept most of the day. Um, I'm in a weird, man. You know me. I've always had weird sleeping habits. Weird's a word. Weird, weird's a word for it. But this is, in this quarantine life, this is just a new level. I, I'm literally going, I don't know what's happening, but I am staying up for like 30 hours at a time. And then crashing for like fifteen. That's yeah. That's that's not good. Or I mean, it's not bad. I guess it's if it's working for you, but it's unusual. Well, I'm I'm not working right now. I haven't worked in almost two months, um, and I can't work from home. Um, so I am. I live alone. <laughs> I am completely. I am completely <laughs> on my own in this. You have three cats. I have three cats that are that are healthy and well. They're doing good. They're in the other room, wondering why I'm hiding in this uh, in my office because we haven't recorded in a while. But um, yeah, man. Uh, so today, today's been fine. I uh, slept a lot and listened to some music, did a little reading, and uh, now we're potting. That, that's nice. Um, How about you, Phil? How's your day? I would have to imagine, well, I guess the major change, I would be there if I could, because the major change since the last time we recorded yes. is that there was uh, obviously a major difference in space and time, a three hour difference in uh, country di- difference in that I was in Ohio and you were in Los Angeles. Now we are both in Los we Angeles. We are neighbors. But of course, now that I am here, the city has gone, and the entire country has gone on lockdown, and I'm not even allowed to come visit you. You are not. We have not seen each other. Oh, Mike's dipping. I Sorry. Know. Hopefully that didn't mess up it's okay. my audio too much. Let me just tighten that up. Yeah, we have not seen each other since... March 7th. What did we do on March 7th? We watched The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I, um, that's right. That's how I that's know right. is because I pulled up Letterboxd. Yes, we watched that because uh, I, for some reason, even though the Coen brothers are maybe my all-time favorite filmmakers, that was my first time watching The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which was a great movie. Yeah, you just uh, you avoided it because you're bad with the streaming. I am. Um, Phil, has, Phil had a theory that he broached to me and a, and a mutual friend we were hanging out with at the time, our buddy Jimmy, which was not a theory. It was just completely accurate. If uh, a new movie premieres directly on streaming, um, I would rather go see that in theaters, especially if it's a, a director or a movie I'm excited about, like a new Coen Brothers. So when Buster Scruggs came out, I tried to see it in theaters. My schedule happened to be super busy at the time. It was only in theaters for a week or two at one theater, like far away from me in L.A., actually close to where you are now, the landmark. And uh, I didn't get to it. And then it was just available for streaming for infinity. So I never prioritized it. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I live a block away from the landmark and it still has a giant portrait of a lady on fire poster outside because there's been no new movies. Another movie I, I was um I was trying to find it last night. I thought it was maybe free somewhere, but still It's on Hulu. Is it really? 
It's on Hulu right now. Go get it, baby. It's it's available. I was actually going to tease you about it recently. Like, why the fuck haven't you watched I, that movie? Because I, I looked. I, there's a search function on my Roku that supposedly um, searches through every app that I have downloaded. And it did not pull up that portrait was available for free on Hulu. Be- because I had noticed over the past week or so, a bunch of people suddenly had been talking about logging portrait of a lady on fire. And I was wondering why. Yeah. So I thought maybe it is free somewhere. And I guess it is. And my my Roku app did not tell me that. But that's awesome. I will watch that soon. And we can discuss that in a future episode. I just pulled it up. It is two hours and one minutes. It is right there. You can use my uh, my Hulu account. Uh, you're welcome to well, use it. Well, I do anyway. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, don't worry. I, I'll use your HBO account to watch Bad Education. For weekend. sure. Um, do, you, do you notice when I use your Hulu app? Not really, because the thing about my Hulu app is that I, that app has been shared with, I think, 12 or 15 people now. There's so many people using it that the there is no normal like thing that I'm looking at on it. And I actually don't use Hulu that regularly, to be honest, compared to some of the other ones. Uh, I don't either. That's why um, when we initially did, we shouldn't probably shouldn't talk about this, but whatever. No one's listening. We did that HBO Hulu trade way back in the day and I, I never bought Hulu myself because I so rarely use it but yeah I do know you I mean your family shares it which is allowed as far as I can tell so there are several different accounts on there so I always go to your account so I'm not messing up like your little <laughs> sister's whatever she's watching but um, I have been, I have been watching Fucker. Killing Eve on your Hulu I don't know if you noticed that not at all nope interesting well Killing Eve is great it's a great show I honestly, um, not to, this is just, of course, going to sound like me. I'm basically either watching a, whatever like app has the newest release on it that I'm trying to find, um, or I'm watching the Criterion channel. That's about it. Criterion is something I need to get more into, especially right now, man. I've been slacking. I literally have like multiple screens of it pulled up right in front of me. I, it's been my baby. Well, this is another thing we can talk about maybe maybe i can use this as a therapy session to figure out why because you know it's been the case i have been slacking so hard in general on movies and tv i'm you want here's the thing i'm looking at right now because i pulled up letterboxd to see when we hung out i was like oh i we watched buster scruggs that'll tell me and i pulled up your account you have watched since we hung out on march 7th over a month and a half ago um or about a month it, and a half it is, ago we are recording watched, on april 23rd right now Yes, yes. So it is, you have watched a total of uh, five movies since then. Holy shit. You have watched You've Got Mail, Before I Wake, Cam, The Way Back, and Elephant, two of which you watched last night. (laughs) Yes, that's true. (laughs) So cut to two days ago, that is about a six-week period. I watched, what, three movies? Yeah, and one of them is You've Got Mail. I had never seen You've Got Mail. I love You've Got Mail. I just love that that's one of them. Um, all of those were, none of those were alone either. You've Got Mail I watched with Sarah um, because we, we I, well, actually it was me. I, I She came over um, early on in the quarantine when we were both already in lockdown and agreed to kind of just hang out with each other. Yeah. I, I was really in the mood for a rom-com. I had never seen it. And obviously, I'm a big Nora Ephron fan. I said, have you seen You've Got Mail? She hadn't. We both watched it. It is such a weird movie. It is so much weirder than I feel like its general um, reputation is. Well, yeah, it's got a, it's, it's got a catfishy kind of creepy plot. 
It, yeah, it is such a. I mean, so is Sleepless in Seattle in a way, but it never bothered me. Tom Hanks is a psychopath, and you've got mail. I really enjoyed it, but it. Yeah, Joe Fox. It reminded me. I thought it would make a great double feature with. Uh, what is that sci-fi movie with Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence? Passengers. Passengers. It would make a great double feature with Passengers. Two romantic movies, one a sci-fi, one a comedy, about very creepy men who uh, the movie kind of just glosses over how creepy they're being. Uh, well, I mean, also that he's uh, friends with Dave Chappelle and uh, other... He lives on a boat and his like younger family members are like his aunt and his grandfather or something like that. Yeah. It's such weird and, well, like, and, small and, details. And his dad. He lives on a boat even though he's a multi-multi-millionaire, it seems. Because he give me just a second. He basically runs Barnes and Noble, the equivalent. Yeah, go ahead. I've <laughs> I was counting letterbox titles. Um, in the time that you've watched five movies, I've watched eighty six. That's fantastic. I thought I, I would have kept vamping. I thought this was like a, a stop down. We we were pausing the podcast sort of thing. No, no, I was literally just like, hold on. I'm I didn't realize how many there would be. I'm st- I'm still counting. Eight. I can't count and talk at the yes, same time. 86, you said? Yeah, 86 compared to your five. That's So like 16 for every one that I've watched. So that was my You've Got Mail. Um, Cam and Before I Wake, two 2010s uh, horror movies. I watched um, with a friend digitally. Like we did the Netflix party, Zoom hangout thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't done that yet. Which was very fun. It was, it was just a one-on-one, me and my horror buddy, Andrew. Uh, we watched Before I Wake at first because neither of us had seen it. Mike Flanagan, the uh, the horror golden boy right now, who did the amazing Haunting of Hill House. He did Hush. He did Doctor Sleep last year. How does he have all this time? Well, Before I Wake came out was actually uh, shot years ago, and then I forget the studio, but I, I think the studio went under. So it was it. Okay. It was in so he didn't make this after Doctor Sleep or something. No, he actually made this either right before or right after uh, Ouija: Origin of Evil. So this, this ah, I mean, this is with Jacob Tremblay, and I believe I believe Jacob Tremblay shot Before I Wake with Flanagan right after he shot Room. So this is a while ago. So it's this is young Tremblay. I mean, like, he's still pretty young in, in Good Boys. Yeah, but, but much, I don't know what he's much younger in this. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be going through puberty any day now. I'm sure the next time I see him, he's gonna look awkward. Yeah, his voice is gonna drop. Um, yeah, it'll be. Sorry, what were you gonna say? No, I was just moving on to the next movie. But if you oh, if you want to uh, make a joke about Tremblay's balls dropping or something, go for it. No, no, no. He, I'm sure. I, I wish his balls a lot of luck on their journey. Yes, as we do for all balls. Um, yes. We we also watched Cam, which was a really fun horror movie. Have you heard of Cam? I have not, no. Cam, uh, I don't know if it was a Netflix uh, distribution exclusively or if it was an indie film that just went to Netflix after its festival run. I don't know. But really fun movie about a Cam girl um, who does a lot of like, uh, you know, she she's uh, like a, a an only girl's model or some, some equivalent. Yeah, um, I'm looking at it now. It says a young cam girl discovers that she's inexplicably been replaced on her site with an exact replica. Yes, and that is... I wish they they didn't give you that because that doesn't happen until about 30 or 40 minutes in. 
and it's really a nice reveal. I knew it also because it's kind of the hook and what everyone talks about. Yeah. But it works as a really interesting kind of Twilight Zone horror film, and she is very um, determined. Like the whole underlying arc of the movie is she is just outside the top 50 ranking of cam girls and she's very committed to moving up in spots and she's trying to figure out very creative ways to host these uh live watch events so it's actually a pretty interesting movie for art right now because not the entire plot but a lot of it takes place digitally while she's in her house uh, putting on these shows for horny dudes well, and yes, yeah, so suddenly a, a doppelganger takes over and she gets locked out of her account and stuff gets crazy. My buddy Andrew had already seen it and I had been wanting to watch it for a while and he agreed to rewatch it with me. The, the Netflix party, like the digital hangout thing is actually really fun, um, you know, especially if you're craved for some social interaction or so, some type of social activity right now, which is hard to do. I know you live with your wife and that makes it. A lot easier to, to spend time with somebody, obviously. Makes all the difference. <laughs> I can imagine. But this is fun. Like, uh, there's a there's an app or an extension called Netflix Party. I think it's just available for Google Chrome. But it's an extension you can put onto your Google Chrome browser. Um, someone creates a party on a Netflix movie. They send you the link. You hop in. And basically, you're just redirected to your own Netflix uh, page. But the, the party link goes straight to the movie that whoever started the, the group has selected for you guys to watch. So whoever the party admin is, they control pausing and stopping it um, so you don't have to worry about syncing up. Like everyone's watching the same feed at the exact same time. And then there's just a little chat box in the corner where you and your buds can text about the movie while you're watching it together. So it's really fun. Yeah, that's fun. I would only probably want to do that with a movie I've seen. I, I don't know that I'd want to do that with a new movie. Or at least one I cared about. Yeah, if it was like a huge new release, I wouldn't want to do it. But yeah, definitely rewatches. Or like, I mean, for me as a as a big horror movie fan, little little horror movies, I'm down to do that with. Because, you know, horror movies are such fun social hangs anyway. Well, yeah, or you could be like a jerk and be like, oh, I'm just going to keep rewinding that kill and make everyone rewatch it over and over <laughs> yes. again. Yes, yes. Uh, my friend Andrew actually made that joke while we were watching Before I Wake and something creepy happened. He said, what if I just rewound to that 30 minutes later? Just went back to that moment. But yeah, if, I mean, if Paul Thomas Anderson released a new thing on Netflix, I would not want to watch it that way. But it's fun for, if you were to rewatch You've Got Mail, for example. I'd love it. Yeah, that would be a great for that. I highly recommend I'd have a great time. Netflix party. So yeah, those are those are all my movies. So all right, cool. Yeah, I, I did eighty six, so we won't go through mine. <laughs> no, but no, um, so yeah, instead of talking movies, I guess that's normally what we would be talking about, like movies or new music and all the other pop culture stuff. But uh, since this is our kind of returning episode, I thought it would be best that if we just kind of covered. Everyone knows, you know, we're kind of talking around the obvious. The coronavirus is hitting us hard at this point in time. Uh, for future down the road listens to anyone who's. Uh, listening to this episode, we are currently in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, everyone's in quarantine. And yeah, basically, that's where this Netflix party, that's where uh, these kind of need alternate, you know, communication needs are coming from because everyone's stuck in their house right now. So Tom's stuck with his cats and um, not watching anything. Uh, and, you know, everyone's kind of, I guess, pop culture di uh, diet has changed a little bit. You, I think, have 
dove into books mostly. I've obviously dove into film. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting in this time seeing how everything's changing. Like, like you said, just like, Oh, I want to, a way of communication is like, let's watch this movie in a chat box with friends as opposed to getting together and watching it as a group. Cause we can't do that right now. That's very true. Yeah. Um, you're right. I have, I've been reading a lot more than anything else. Uh, reading and, and going for walks is kind of my go-to move that takes up several hours of each day for me right now. Um, because yeah, I don't have work. I don't have kids to take care of. I don't have a wife to, to, <laughs> Uh, to show my attention and affection towards it's just me and my cat so I am reading a lot I have read and that I mean this would be interesting to look up I won't bore people with the going to search for the exact specifics but probably in that time period where I watched five movies I've probably read about 14 or 15 books Um, yeah and I read like three so you know Um, so that that's been my main uh, diet of cultural intaking right now and it's been very enjoyable books are kind of a harder thing to talk about on a pod um yeah but yeah unfortunately especially if i haven't read them yeah i mean i will you know down the road i will maybe just you know take a few minutes every now and then to recommend some stuff that i'm really enjoying yeah and you have your little book club on your instagram so we'll throw that out so people can check uh check that out yeah hashtag bindi book club um i do it I, i started doing that mainly to keep me honest about my reading habits like i wanted to kind of guilt trip myself into reading more i guess uh, yeah so I, I started posting just on the instagram stories every book once i finish a book that's when i post about it and um it's been cool you know at first i, I just used it to because you and i are, are big list makers as well and i wanted to start logging uh, the books i read every year so i could make you know like my 10 favorite books i read at the end of every calendar year or whatever but it's been fun. Uh, a lot of friends have been DMing me about certain books that they really like that I happen to mention or giving me recommendations and stuff like that. So it's been cool. It's cool finding out on Instagram uh, which of my friends are real bookworms and stuff like that, you know? So that part of it has been very fun and rewarding. Yeah. Um, I think my day is basically... I've been reading. I'm reading... I'm finally reading the last book of the dark tower. I've put it off for like two and a half years now or something, but uh, I'm finally in the middle of that book. Um, I think something bad's about to happen to one of the main characters. So I'll wait and, you know, see what's about to happen there. My lips are sealed. But, oh yeah. Um, Otherwise I think having a wife with a full-time job who's working from home has really kind of helped me be disciplined uh, or at least, you know, because I have the example of like, you know, she's sitting down to work from nine to five or mostly, you know, from nine to five. And, you know, it's kind of a nice like, okay, I can't just be like chilling on the in the corner doing nothing all day or she'll kind of, you know, she's not the type who's going to like hound me for anything. But she's also like maybe after like two weeks would be like, so uh, what, what are you doing? So it, it is nice to have that around. Um, yeah, because I, I, I'd probably be just like you if I was just single right now. I'd, I'm sure I'd be take I'd just be sleeping all day, too. Yeah, it's fun to do that. I, w- I will say I think that's another especially right now the way the world is um, and me not working. I think that's a big reason why I'm spending so much time walking and reading instead of uh, just sitting on the couch and watching TV. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously, it's very fun. I enjoy it a lot, but you know, we're both writers and I feel like if I'm at least reading and walking around, I can kind of trick myself into thinking 
not even completely tricking myself. I think there's there's some validity to it that I am working towards my end goal as a writer. You know, the more the more you read, the better a writer you are. Obviously, you have to write as well. Um, but I think that all of that helps. And I'm I'm walking around a lot, hopefully to keep the weight down a little bit, keep my body active and stuff like that. So in terms of a, a pop culture hobby, I think it's one of the better ones I could be doing. Oh yeah, but compared what, compared to like just sitting around playing games on your phones or some shit. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, yeah. Totally not playing, sitting around playing games on my phone. I am standing around and playing games on my phone. Ah, good, yes. good, good. Um, I am actually writing. That's actually how I'm spending the bulk of my good man. That's awesome. Days. Yeah, yeah. Just I mean, not like eight hours a day, but like at least two to three hours a day. Um, I'm finally uh, writing my follow up uh, film that I've been talking about for several years. Um. Yeah, it's it's going good. I'm still in the first draft, so it's not worth talking much about right now. But um, the only problem I'm having right now is that it's too it's way too fucking long. It's uh, the first draft's gonna end up somewhere around 200 pages. That's not a problem. That's <laughs> a first draft. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's I'm trying not to freak out too much, but I'm just kind of like in that like, oh, there's a lot. This is much longer than I was expecting. So I'm trying not to freak out. But in my, I, I know. I'll, Sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Just the you know, it's good. It's a good thing that I have. I'd rather have more than not enough. So uh, it's mostly a matter of like rearranging, crunching, and I'll figure that out in future drafts. But otherwise, yeah, it's been it's been a good time for me just with like writing. And uh, I finished my feature film, uh, we, which we were talking about. I think I was like about to go into production last time we had an episode. Yes. Um, but yeah, so that's basically not finished, finished. But um, right now it's kind of film festivals are on a hold. So I can't really do anything with it while, you know, the rest of this year. We have to wait for the rest of this year. So um I'm, that's you know I'm gonna send it out to film festivals in a bit, and uh, it's going out to several labs right now. So while I'm waiting on all that stuff, uh, I figured I might as well start working on the next one. I agree completely. I think um, congratulations. By the way, I have seen a, I, I saw a rough cut of the movie Straight Jacket, which Phil wrote, directed, starred in, um, financed a good chunk of, I assume. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it was split between me and my friend. Uh, he paid for a good chunk of the production and a lot of that stuff. A lot of stuff was borrowed and loaned to us. We turned in a lot of favors. Um, and yeah, we had a lot of, uh, we did some fundraising to do some things. And yeah, we're, it's still, still an ongoing process. It's not released, but it will be later down the road once everything in the uh, film world is kind of back up and running again. Yeah, I will say, obviously, I don't want to go into specifics about the movie. Um, I overall, I was very pleasantly surprised with it, especially because I know a it's shorter now than the cut that I saw, which we talked about. It's much shorter. Yes. I think you'd like it a lot more. Now. Um, yeah. I have the link. I plan on watching it very soon. The newer version. And I will say when you, you meaning the general, you or person who ends up watching this movie down the road, when you hear the budget for this movie, it's going to kind of blow your mind it's crazy how much you were able to do for such a small budget and i give you a lot of kudos because i know just from self-financing a short film a, tw- or a 20 minute movie how hard and difficult it is to make a limited budget look really good and i think you pulled it off so congratulations to my co-host phil a film thank a, you so much a film director no one, no one can uh, yes. take that away from you now, man. You are officially a film writer and director. 
Yeah, I've actually, I had a conversation with uh, Shell earlier about that today because, um, you know, we're still, we're new to LA and, you know, obviously we moved here just a couple months before the lockdown. So we are still kind of acclimating ourselves. And I think we're still kind of in that, like, can you believe we're here phase, you know, like still walking around, like it's kind of weird. Um, where we are and mostly I'm, I'm very happy with it. I, I've been, I'm a little surprised with how much I've enjoyed moving out here. Um, and, uh, yeah, so today I told her, I, I feel like, cause I was, re- we were talking about, it. it's like, yeah, you're, uh, who would have believed a few years ago that you would be working at UCLA, um, a giant school, you know, nationally renowned school, um, doing, you know, the work that she wants to do and with a, your, her filmmaker husband. And we, we both think that sounds pretty cool. And I was like, oh yeah, I think I do kind of like finally feel a little bit more comfortable saying filmmaker. Um, I was really skeptical about saying that about myself for a long time. Um, I still kind of am, but I, I felt a little bit more comfortable now. So like once the movie's actually out and watchable, then I'll be a little bit further there. But yeah, I'm starting now to get a little bit more comfortable, especially now that I'm spending... I'm dedicating my time out here to continuing to work on film. So it's like, okay, well, this is my life now. I'm not a you know news reporter or anything else who does films on the side. It's like, no, I'm a filmmaker. This is what I'm doing now. For sure. I, I totally understand imposter syndrome is real. I still, to this day, have a hard time uh, calling myself a writer, even though you know I wrote a movie that came out. Um, yeah, it's on HBO right now. Everyone it's on HBO watch. streaming. Everybody go check out. Uh, Coyote Lake. Coyote Lake. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say our movie, but I guess it's not. Although you are in, you are in the credits. Um, I am. I, yeah, I, I had to sign a contract at some point and to waive my my rights <laughs> to make sure we, for like a, we I, could for like you. a penny or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we had to make them on it. Whatever. We don't need to get into the legalese, but Phil is in the. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I hope it it's made on me your laugh, IMDb yeah. page. I don't know if it is or not, but it should be. Um, I'll add it. I don't think it is. Yeah, yeah I'll throw it Coy- on. Coyote Lake is available on HBO, which is a, which was a thrill. It was really exciting um, when that happened. Uh, that it's on the HBO. yeah. You had a big time release. Like you guys were had a marquee above a fucking theater. You had everything. Yeah, so. in Los Angeles, and um, I I do believe. Uh, speaking of HBO, if people don't know this, I think that the HBO apps right now are free. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Think, for right now, yeah. yeah I think I don't during know this for pandemic, they they, they they have currently waived the cost of apps, uh, the HBO Go and HBO Now apps. So I think you can hop on there for free. So if you haven't watched Coyote Lake yet, and if you haven't watched like Deadwood of the Sopranos yet, now is your chance to do that. I sh- I say that still having not seen the fifth season of The Wire, but now's the time, everybody, do it. Well, shame on you for that, but we, you know, that's not your only hole as well. You had Buster Scruggs. So, you know, we'll fill one hole at a time. You'll eventually watch the final season of The Wire. Unfortunately, it's the worst seasons. Is that what you think? Not season two? Oh, season five's way worse than season two. But it ends well, right? The finale is good. The finale is fantastic. I think it has a great end. But I think, like, season two, I think, is jarring for people who are expecting the other show. And it takes a little while to get acclimated to the new direction of that season. But I think by the end of season two, it's fucking awesome. And like everything is clicked and like any kind of hesitation you might've had has been taken care of. Whereas season five, I think has multiple missteps in terms of just like the entire season arc that they put characters through just do not work at all for like entire episodes. It's not just like a, a one, a one episode thing. It's like, Oh, that's what you did with that character. That doesn't make any sense. Well, if you uh, disagree with Phil's opinion, 
Um, hashtag Phil's a little bitch on Twitter and Instagram. This is the 2020 version of the Cultural Rundown podcast where we talk about an HBO show from 2002 to 2008. We'll be right Yeah, back. let's talk about The Sopranos next. Yeah. yeah. Um, what? So what are we going to talk about here, Phil? I mean, here's the thing. So much has changed. Like, uh, you know, you released a movie. I made a movie. I moved out to Los Angeles. Now we're on coronavirus lockdown. I guess I'm just checking in on you for this first episode back, and I want to know how you're doing. How are you looking forward to more podcasts? What, you know, because you know, and well, I, here's my, okay, first question. I have a question. I finally have a question. Okay, great. Let's say the the quarantine is lifted on May 15th. Would you let me come over to record an episode, or would you be like, no, you're, you're still doing this remote? I'm just curious. That's a great question. Um... I I think I would with you because I know you're a smart guy who's been safe, who has stayed at home during this time. I mean, obviously you're with your wife, but she's at home. I know your wife's a, a brilliant woman. Um, so I would assume she is not rolling around on the beach in Santa Monica or anything like that. Um, we've been on, we, and to be honest, we've been on walks. Uh, oh, so have I. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, like, uh, but out in public, like, we've got, but like, you know, we're not near anybody. Most of these places are abandoned, so it's still, yeah, we're not near anybody. We have not been to any public gatherings of any sort. We have not been to any protest either, mind you. I think I would be fine with that. I would not, if they open the movie theaters on May 15th, I would not go to the movies. I, yeah, I probably wouldn't, but I, uh, maybe I would, and I'd lie about it. Um, I so well then you're not invited because I can't have I, I, I can't have liars I can't have liars in my apartment right now especially in these times so you know yeah, what you're I, I changed my mind you were not invited yeah you're gonna be like how did you see that already and I'd be like oh it was it I got a screener so uh, yeah you I mean you lie about everything so I would I'd be able to see right through it. Um, yeah, just be, I only lie to you about dumb shit like that because you're always you're always getting mad at me, and I'm like, ah, I better hide that. I, I need I need to know. I I need to know the truth. I would not. I mean, I've thought about it, and I can't imagine going to something like an NBA game with a full crowd of people for a very long time. I can't imagine it. Like I don't I, obviously I don't know when it's gonna happen. Say say the NBA comes back in July, which I'm very skeptical about. Even if they come back in July, they're not coming back with a crowd. Yeah, I thought I saw that the NHL announced that they were coming back in July. Really? I know. I thought I saw that. Let me pull that up. Maybe somebody just shared that. You look that up while I talk about. I do know um, from what I have heard the PGA tour is planning to come back in the middle of June, so about two week, two months from now, pardon, um, without a crowd. And that makes sense to me. Golf, you can theoretically play an entire 18 holes and never get within six feet of a person. Yeah, yeah. So if any, if any sport were to come back, golf makes sense. But even that, that that's two months away. That's a long time. A NHL no longer considering neutral sites for season restart. So I guess they were considering it, but people probably like were like, no, don't do that. Well, yeah, I've, I've heard that there's been talk about that, like the idea of um, putting all the players in uh, quarantine for two weeks at, at one location and then doing something like 
they play all of their game like a, a truncated version of the the remainder of either season um in one facility where no more than 100 people can be in the facility at one time there would be like temperature checks for fevers when people walk in but i mean that seems so complicated that seems like a lot to ask for players i mean you're you're taking them away from their families during a pandemic and I'm not sure why. I mean, I know it's entertainment, and I know there are jobs in the entertainment industry and in those sporting complexes, but you're not, like, really getting ticket sales at that point, and maybe you're taking care of some sponsors. I, I don't, I'm not sure who that's for. Like, that's a lot of work to get players just to play a game. I mean, I would assume viewership uh, would be through the roof. Yeah, which I, which I understand the need for, for new entertainment, uh, but I'm, saying, I'm not saying that there wouldn't be an audience. Like, obviously, there would be an audience for it. But it seems like that's where you start balancing, like, well, is that audience that we're going to get worth the amount of work we're going to have to put each of these players through to safely get them on that court? I agree with that. I think they're, I think they're just spitballing. There are no bad ideas in a quarantine kind of thing. Um, I don't imagine that would happen. I At this point, I'm very skeptical. Uh, sadly, I hate to say it, that We'll just talk about the NBA season because that's what I'm most interested in. I know you're not really a hockey or a baseball fan. Um, no, no. Uh, I had just heard that NHL thing yeah. so just somewhere. From, from an NBA perspective, which is pretty analogous with the NHL, their seasons start around the same time and end around the same time, early, mid-October to late, mid-June. I can't imagine the NBA season starting at this point before the middle of July they basically had a month of the regular season left and then a two-month playoffs. That, that's what would have happened um, if there had been no stop-down. So say they come back in the middle of July, truncate the end of the regular season to three weeks. I mean, you still need, you still need some type of training camp to get players back in shape and back in the swing of things. Right, And then yeah. maybe you shorten the playoffs like... Um, you know, there are four rounds of the playoffs, three rounds in each conference, and then the NBA Finals. All of those series are best of seven, first one to four wins. Maybe they shorten the series. The, the first round used to be a best of five. Maybe they go back to that. Maybe they do that for the second round as well. I don't know, man. I've, I've heard the NBA basically come out and say that the latest they're willing to restart in this season before they call it a wash would be August. But Jesus. At, yeah. at, what, I mean, at what point do you just say this season's a wash and we'll try to come back next year? On, especially on when time. you consider what we were, yeah, what we were talking about before we started recording, especially when you consider that everyone's saying there's going to be a, a fall return. You know, it's going to come back in the fall and we're going to be dealing with the coronavirus or some, some, we don't know the extent of it, but we're in some way going to be dealing with it probably in the fall once again. So it's like, do we even bother with restarting this? Like, yeah. if we know, not not you know. only is it most likely to come back at the end of the year, but um, you know, as the as the season gets warmer here for most of America, I mean, we're in LA. We just had a ninety degree day today. It was gorgeous today. Um, you know, in like places like the East Coast and in Illinois and Michigan, the summer months are are pretty soon at hand, which hopefully is good um, in terms of the effect of the coronavirus. But you know. Africa's going to get walloped with the coronavirus soon. At some point this year, it's going to spread to Africa and a lot of their medical supplies and what they're able to do without international help, it's going to be it's going to be chaos. It's going to be horrific. 
what's going to happen to that continent, not to mention other places south of the equator where when we hit the summer months, they're going to be in winter. Who knows what that means for Australia or other places where the the uh, the summer months here get colder there. Um, I think, and then not to mention there are places like in Georgia right now where starting, I think, tomorrow, the nail salons are going to be open again. The barbershops are going to be open again. Missouri, I think, is reopening some stuff. Ohio, your home state, which is still dealing with a lot of issues, are about to reopen a lot of businesses that are considered inessential. So that's not even, I mean, thinking about the fall for basketball makes sense. But in terms of the coronavirus and its impact, that almost seems like, why are we even worrying about the fall right now? We still have so much to deal with here that is not being handled well. No, it's not. And that's, I guess, the other thing that in pop culture that we would often talk about on the show. So we've talked about the movies being canceled. We've talked about how we're filling our time and now all these events are being canceled and we still have an election that we need to kind of get to in November, not to mention the other televised, like, you know, a debate between Trump and Biden, you know, like the television of that, are they going to do probably what they did with the Bernie Sanders one where it's just an empty auditorium, you know, like who knows it should be, you know, there should be an apparatus right now that's being like, look, we know this is coming back. Let's start immediately setting up for paper ballots and mail-in ballots at a much larger scale than we've ever seen. We just have to do it. Uh, it's the only safe way. Let's implement it now. We'll get it started. And, you know, but that's not going to happen. No. And no, not at all. And so who the fuck knows with the way the shit show and how it's being run right now? No one. It's a mixture of we have awful people in charge. Obviously, you and I politically lean a certain way and we feel that way. But also just we're in a situation where we don't know what we don't know, even the professionals, because we're, you know, like finding out like the fucking paper towel and toilet paper problems, you know, the stocking problems, other weird things like we would always have um, trade with China on or some other country in terms of ventilators. But suddenly it's like you realize during a worldwide health epidemic that no foreign country is going to be in a big rush to trade their stuff all of a sudden. They're going to be like, well, hold on. We need this stuff now. Yeah. You know, so like small things that it's like, well, we need to consider this. And uh, it's a big problem. So I think, yeah, we're, we got a, a long journey ahead of us. But, you know, we got to stay optimistic. It's I it's think. it's hard to be optimistic, but I agree. I think most of us are going to come out of this. And the question then becomes, you know, what does the world look like? What does America look like? at that point and that's when i get really pessimistic um you know i, th I think health wise knock on wood but i think most of us will end up okay um but i think there are going to be some some long-term ramifications of this and some of them are you know if you want to look for silver linings some of them you can already find like the idea that uh in certain places in india they can see the himalayan mountains for the first time in decades you know, stuff like that, like the the idea of pollution cleaning up um, with everybody staying at home and not. Yeah, the, the Venice canals are yeah. like having new fish show up that haven't been there in generations or something. Yeah. So if, if you want to look for the, the good in the world, you can always find it. But yeah, it's dark times, man. Um, I want to get back to a, a, a much less important topic and maybe, you know, maybe still kind of a downer, but something that's kind of interesting and more in tune with what we talk about. Sure. So, so 
the movie theaters are going to be closed down at least for a couple more months. Um, we've already seen certain movies just completely rescheduled to 2021. I, I remember one of the very first movies to change their schedule was the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die, which was supposed to come out in early April. And they moved, Coming out November now. Yeah. yeah, they moved it back in February all the way to November. Um, who knows if that's going to stay? Who You know, who knows? Like, November at this point, I was so bummed out when it moved to November before the shit really hit the fan with the coronavirus in our neck of the woods. At this point, I would take November in a heartbeat. That sounds great. What, <laughs> yeah. what happens with the Oscars this year? Well, it's going to be... There are... There are going to be movies that are released. I mean, it depends on. It's just gonna. They're gonna change the rules in some way. I think they're either going to wiggle around with the the dates of when things were eligible, or they're. It's just going to be one of those years that the Netflixes of the world. Because you got to remember, Netflix had what three of the best, three or four of the best picture nominations last year, and they've got. If you look at their lineup, they've got so many. They've got a big slate this year too. So maybe it's just, you know, what seven of the movies are Netflix movies and some of and Tenant or something else that gets released. You know, like I'm not sure. So uh, we'll- normally uh, in previous years, you know, in in this previous decade of uh, the streaming boom that's happened, you still needed to have a theatrical release like Netflix, a Netflix original that you know was seen by 99% of its audience on streaming. They had to put their movie in a theater for a week in New York and L.A. or something like that. But now, for an example, I don't imagine this to be a Best Picture nominee. But the uh, just to have a real-world example, the new Kumail Nanjiani Issa Rae movie. I'm blanking on the name, Phil. What's it called? The Lovebirds. The Lovebirds was supposed to come out in April in theaters. Uh, it never made its release by the time it was supposed to come out. Theaters were shut down all around the country. Netflix acquired distribution rights. They are going to put it out streaming on netflix in mid to late may may 20 something is going to premiere on netflix i believe around the world uh at least in america so it that movie's probably never going to see a theater right right would that movie do you think be eligible for the oscars this coming year because of what's going on with the coronavirus or do you think they say sorry you didn't have a theatrical release we cannot count you they're going to debate it and there's going to be different people on different ends of the debate because I know for a fact that like Spielberg of the world, the him in particular and other filmmakers of his ilk have said, no, we're Netflix movies are ba- or If we let them in, we might as well let HBO movies in or made for TV movies in. And those aren't movies basically is what he's saying, or they shouldn't be eligible, which is kind of a whole other separate conversation, but you're going to have probably more pressure this year. I'd imagine to be like, look, we're just there's we're gonna have to rely on the streaming a little bit more. Otherwise, we're not gonna have a ceremony. And maybe that's the debate where they're like, look, we didn't have enough movies come out. Nothing unless we want to give Birds of Prey best actress. You know, like what do you want to do? Fine with me. Yeah, yeah, no, I really liked Margot Robbie. I think she's very good. But you know, I I don't think everybody else is gonna feel that way. And most of the movies I have. I was looking at my, I have a top 30. I have seen exactly 30 movies from 2020 so far. And I would say the top three or four, I think are really strong. Everything else after that, I think is either pretty good or really good to okay to bad. So I don't even think it's been an amazing year so far. So I don't like think there's an, a ton to pick from. What's your top three or four right now? 
Uh, my number one is First Cow, which no one can see because it was only released for a week before it was yanked from theaters uh, because of the coronavirus stuff. So and it is not I, streaming anywhere. They have not put it out. No, because I think they're like, okay, well, we believe in this film. A24 is distributing it, and I think they are going to try and give it like an Oscar push or give it a better chance later down the road. So they did release it, but we're like, oh, this is a bad time, and they yanked it. I have, um, I have I, not seen it. I really want to. Uh, for those who don't know, it's the new Kelly Reichardt film who did Old Joy. She did Wendy and Lucy. Uh, what was that Jesse Eisenberg Echo Terrors film? Um, I almost said The East, but that is the Brit Marling one. No, the other one that she did is Night Moves. Night Moves is another great movie. She's a great filmmaker. I'm really excited for First Cow. Phil, what is your number two of 2020 so far? Uh, the hilarious, I'm just kidding, the very sad and somber abortion drama, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Um, Which people can it, watch, I believe, on Netflix? No, I had to go, um, God, which one was this one? I get them mixed up because I was doing that like ordering thing. No, no, I think this one I, yeah, I had to VOD this one. Um, I forget which VOD I did. It was one of the websites that you could um, donate to an independent um, theatrical distributor. You know, I think you sent me that list of several of them. Um, it premiered on that, and I think it's right now. Let me pull it up. Yes, right now it is available to rent on Amazon, iTunes. It's everywhere now. Um, so anyone can watch it. It's very, very good. It's very sad and harrowing it's kind of um it's basically about a girl who gets pregnant and wants to get an abortion and she lives in the country uh the backwoods country of philadelphia and she has to go to new york to get one because she because of she's 17 and without a, her parents she cannot get one so the movie is just basically about a woman who wants to do something that's legal and uh and just how hard it is for her with someone of low means to acquire something that should be relatively available. And, you know, since it is legal and medically, you know, safe, uh, you know, it should be available, but it basically tracks her and her cousin as they try to go to New York and procure an abortion for her. Um, it's very harrowing at times, but, um, very moving as well. And it's a tough sit, but it's good. It's very good. Sounds great. Phil, what is yeah, your, what is your number three <laughs> of 2020? Uh, Bakara, which is uh, it's hard to describe. It's kind of uh, it's another one of those ones I watched um, through VOD. Let me see if it, if it's got a bigger release by now. No, it is not. If you want to watch that one, it was available on that Kino site that you sent me. Yes. Uh, I'd, I'd have to go look, um, but I ordered it through that and uh, donated some money to um i believe the arrow that time i switched it up each time i ordered one of these um but so i ordered that one this one is uh, i'll just read the summary because it's hard to summarize uh, it's a small town in brazil that mourns the loss of its matriarch uh days later its inhabitants notice that their community has vanished from most of the maps that's i don't even know if that's the best summary of the movie but basically it's this town that weird things start happening and they're not entirely sure um it seems like there's some kind of outside force coming to attack this small Brazilian town and they're not sure why, and they may be forced to fight back. It's kind of a genre movie mixed with social political stuff that's going on. And it's very much the kind of, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's kind of a most dangerous game kind of thing. Ooh. That's all I'll say about it. That's all I'll say about it. Yeah. For those who don't know, the most dangerous game is people. Um, yeah. I have seen 11 movies total from 2020 and my number four is the aforementioned Birds of Prey. So that tells you what I've been 
how I've been. My number, watching. my number four is Swallow, which I think you'd really like. Yeah, I plan on watching that. A horror movie for those who don't know. Yeah, it's like a. It's about a girl who's pregnant who gets. Uh, it's a real life condition. She gets addicted to swallowing inanimate objects that are increasingly dangerous, and uh, yeah, it's, it's about like her illness and have, uh... body horror, kind of dealing with this. Yeah, what's that TV show about people who are addicted to eating toilet paper and stuff like that? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I it's it's basically that though. Like, yeah, she's like eating dirt and other things throughout the movie. Yeah, that sounds like something I would love. To be honest, that's not even a joke. No, yeah, it's a it's a very good movie. Uh, you know, I'll, we can talk about it after you see it. Uh, I had a couple of things about it, but otherwise, it's gorgeous. It looks gorgeous. An amazing lead performance. There's some truly uncomfortable moments that are actually. You know, it's it. It's about a girl swallowing things, so there's not always like a lot of blood or gore, but you'll just see her. You know, it's a blood-free like, and it'll just make you squirm so bad. Uh, it's great. Does she swallow what I think she swallows? Attack. Water. You got to stay safe from the coronavirus. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, um, I. So going back. Uh, no, she she spit that out. Actually, good. Go, going back to the previous. Discussion. I so I think you know Spielberg's opinion about Netflix should basically be this considered the same as an HBO or made for TV movie is a little outdated at this point. I think this year in particular, that would be really hard to justify that argument. So I do. I personally think they'll allow streaming titles to be considered. I think the question becomes, what happens next year? Do they keep that rule in place or not? I think that will be the really interesting thing to see. Is does this almost by necessity create a seismic shift in the oscar um award season and how we view you know the best of entertainment so to speak because obviously you know the oscars are fun you and i still like it which as adults we're probably in the minority but um you know no one really no one really looks to the oscars to say oh that must be the best movie of the year that doesn't really happen but I, Except for Parasite. Parasite was a great, great choice. And thank God, I was just saying, maybe to you the other day via text, thank God the Oscars <laughs> happened before the coronavirus really hit in America. I mean, I know it's not important, but I'm looking for any positive. And the fact that the Oscars weren't canceled before Parasite could win Best Picture is just so great. Um, so obviously, you know, people don't rely on the Oscars to decide what their favorite movies of the year are if they like a Netflix original the most, they're going to say that, but maybe, um, maybe the coronavirus, uh, almost creates by necessity, a, a, a really large shift in the way the industry itself views titles like that. I don't know. Yeah. It seems like something that was probably inevitable down the line is getting I think a so, yeah. big, a big kick in the ass kind of faster than it would have otherwise happened, but it was probably going to happen in some way. Anyway, let me give you the list of titles. Some of them, not there's actually a shit ton of them uh, coming out from Netflix by the end of the year. And keep in mind also, I read already that every single Netflix movie that's coming out in 2020 completed production before coronavirus. Wow. So all of these are, all of these are definitely completed shooting and they're definitely coming out at the end of the year. Um, number, uh, let's start, let's see here. We have the prom, a musical directed by Ryan Murphy, um, starring Meryl Streep, James Corden, Nicole Kidman, and Keegan, Michael Key. Um, we have the devil all the time. Antonio Campos. I don't know. Did you ever see? Oh yeah. You saw Martha Marcy May Marlene. It's his follow up. It's, it's a thriller with Tom Holland and Jake Gyllenhaal. That's apparently very good. We have an epic war drama, The Five Bloods, from Mr. Spike Lee. 
Duh, uh, like D-A? Duh, yeah. Okay. D-A, the five bloods. You follow uh, him on Instagram, right? But yes, begrudgingly. Yes. Uh, I, I, he cracks me up. He he still speaks. Uh, he he types in that, um, that like, a kind of ebonics like, way, I guess. Is, yeah, that, that jive ebonics. Yeah, like or te- you technically, it, yeah. I think the term for it, I'm not trying to be racist. I think that is technically what you would call it. And yeah. I really enjoy it. I just love that he has stuck to that his entire life. Like he really, he owns that and he's made it his own. So good for him. And he calls an epic war movie, Duh, Five Bloods. It's great. Continue. Yeah. All right, we have Eurovision. Uh, that's a comedy with Will Ferrell starring Rachel McAdams, Pierce Brosnan, and Demi Lovato from David Dopkin of Adam Sandler fame. Uh, Hillbilly Elegy uh, by Ron Howard. And we have I'm Thinking of Ending Things, the new Charlie Kaufman film. We have... Can't wait for that, uh, by the way. The, a new Charlie we, Kaufman, finally. We have Mank, the new David Fincher film, his first since Gone Girl. Wow. We have, what is Mank? Can you, ha- can you give me a plot synopsis of Mank or who's oh, in it or anything? Oh, Mank is a screenplay. You don't know about Mank? Uh, I'm very excited about Mank. Uh, it is a screenplay that was written by David Fincher's father, and it was a passion project of his. And it is about Herman J. Mankiewicz, the man who co-wrote uh, Citizen Kane. And it is a black and white movie apparently about this like battle with Orson Welles uh, in life or something. It has something to do with the making of Citizen Kane and the screenplay of Citizen Kane. And it follows the life of that screenwriter. Mankiewicz, um, what else did he do in his career? Because he's a known name, I believe. He Well, he also wrote uh, Wizard of Oz. Uh, That's what I'm thinking uh, of. That I'm actually yeah. Wizard of Oz. Yes, thank you. Yeah, he also, let me pull it. Was he a director? Pride of the Yankees. Yeah, he did Pride of the Yankees. Um, he did, I don't know if he directed, but he, yeah, he definitely wrote. According to Wikipedia, he was mostly a writer. But yeah. He was largely Citizen Kane and Wizard of Oz are definitely the, the biggest two. But yeah, so that you got a new David Fincher movie coming out. Um, let's see here. Rebecca, the remake of the uh, Alfred Hitchcock movie directed by Ben Wheatley. It's a, re- a new adaptation. Um, and yeah, there's just more. The Old Guard, who's in that? With Oh, Gina, Prin- uh, Gina Prince-Bythewood. Uh, uh, the Old Guard is an action movie. That's weird that she's directing that. She's the director of Love and Basketball. And Beyond the Lights, and uh, I had just watched those. We were just talking about Love and Basketball the other day. Yeah, it's a, I believe it's its 20th anniversary right now, so that's why people are talking about it. But um, very good film. I just rewatched it. Um, a wonderful, wonderful movie. It really is. If you're looking for, or I wouldn't even call it a rom-com, a romantic drama, and uh, if you're also jonesing for basketball at all, basketball is you know in the movie. But it's a really forward-thinking romantic film. Um, great female yeah. character in that movie. Love and Basketball is great. But yeah, so I'm looking and I'm seeing like The Power of the Dog, which is an upcoming drama written and directed by Jane Campion. I mean, like this is all like just coming. Yeah. And, you know, these are, you know, David Fincher, Spike Lee, uh, Ron Howard. These are big name people that are kind of hard to ignore when you're talking about Oscar movies. Like these are big people who have won Oscars doing big budget dramas. Yeah. You know, so Jane Campion I feel like, and Charlie Kaufman too. Those are some huge names. Yeah. And so I feel like, and even like a Ben Wheatley seems poised to kind of make, um, you know, a kind of splash if he can. Uh, and you know, these are big name directors and I think it's going to be hard to ignore or just say like, these aren't worthy films for whatever reason, because, 
because you know i mean worst case scenario netflix will probably they they own that theater they'll probably just be like all right well fine we'll play it in our own theater for a week even if the theater's closed i think that's <laughs> i think that's part of the big reason they decided to acquire that theater the egyptian theater in Los they, that is the only reason that is the only yeah. reason they acquired it but yeah i mean it's a, it's a crazy time so we're they have not decided that yet so we're gonna see so we um yeah, we wanted to just kind of have a general how do say hi to everybody, let them know that we're back, we're back on our bullshit, and um, we do have. This has obviously been a very general conversation. We do have a lot of topics planned for future episodes. Um, yeah, we're there are a lot of new movies still coming out, like Phil has discussed that he just gave us a preview of some coming attractions. There have been some things. Phil and I have both already seen. Uh, we plan on talking about the Ben Affleck basketball movie, The Way Back, pretty soon. Um, for those who, which is av- available right now, yes. where did you watch that? Uh, I rented it on Amazon Prime. I think it was four ninety nine. Cool. Yeah, that's generally what I've been doing. And the yeah. So also, we're go- next week. I think we're going to talk a lot about the Michael Jordan doc that's been airing on ESPN. Uh, we're going to talk about The Way Back. We're going to have a nice basketball episode. Yeah, for, the, for those who don't know, um, the Bulls documentary is called The Last Dance. It's about the final championship season of the Chicago Bulls in 97-98. It's all about Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Phil Jackson, Dennis Rodman is there. The first two episodes uh, premiered on ESPN earlier this week on Monday, the 20, what, 7th of April, I think, episodes. Sunday. Sunday. Uh, Sunday. Um Episodes three and four, I believe, will be out. So we'll be recording an episode that basically tackles the first half of that documentary series, um, including other things. If people just kind of want to, uh, you know, catch up with some things before we do talk about them, I'm sure we're going to be talking pretty soon about the new Pixar movie Onward, which in a really interesting move, because Pixar movies are basically guaranteed to make a quarter billion dollars in the U.S. box office. Because of the coronavirus, they made kind of an unprecedented step of putting it available for free on the Disney app, which is fascinating to me. I think yeah, it was available. They, it was available to rent for twenty bucks for a week or two. Uh, I'm sure many many yeah. people bought it, and then they decided to just put it straight up on the Disney app. So if you're a Disney app user, you can watch a brand new Pixar movie if you haven't yet, and if you haven't use the Disney app and want a free trial and are a big Pixar junkie, hey, now's the chance to put in that free trial. You got a new movie coming out. Or they're already out waiting for you. Yeah. Uh, man, sorry. I, I just pulled up uh, some box office numbers. I was going to be like, how did Onward do uh, before it was yanked out of theaters? But I, I, I got distracted by the weekly releases and there's like four movies and... It's crazy. Like, there's no movies out. It's, it's just weird. It's bizarre to look at, man. I wonder what the highest grossing film at the end of the year will be. I'm not sure. Let me pull it up. Yeah. Because there, there's, uh, what was the big, there were one or two big summer titles that were already pushed to 2021, correct? Yeah, like, there was, uh, well, we still haven't heard word on the Black Widow, that was supposed to come out. Yeah. Uh, a couple of the Marvel movies. Uh, so we'll wait to see on those. Uh, as you said, we'll wait to see if November sticks for Bond. Uh-huh. And one other big one, I'm blanking. But yeah, there was definitely one other big one that they were like, we can't even push this back 
two months we need to like basically set it back a year and yeah the same thing happened with scoob um where that <laughs> keep, just got dumped you keep fucking talking about scoob i like dude i wanted to see, i was i would see the previews for scoob and i would be real uh, to be honest i'd be really high at the theater i would have just arrived if the trailers were going so i was like a, a fresh stone and i would sit down and i would just i love scooby-doo and i would just giggle and i would be like this movie's gonna suck I hate the way it looks. I think it looks ugly. I hate that kind of animation. Um, but I just, I can't wait to see it. Well, hopefully it's the number one highest grossing film of the year. You're damn right. It better In be. In terms of new titles, uh, maybe Tenet. I, I doubt it would make the most money at the box office, but it's probably good for a couple hundred million. It's, it has that kind of Inception e-vibe to it. Um, we also, uh, f- for those who don't know, Phil knows a little bit about this. I have made a very concerted effort, besides the reading and the walking, to really listen to a lot of new music. So we will yes. we will be having at least one uh, in the very near future. We plan to talk about some new music, and uh, in particular the new Fiona Apple album, which we both love. Yes, yes. Phil, so there's been sev- there's been several big albums this year already that I think are worth talking. about. I agree, and Phil, I. I will probably shock you when we get to that episode with all of the new albums that I have not only listened to, but ranked. I have a list going. This is going to be the first year that I have like a full top 10, maybe even top 20 new albums of the year. I'm going to be like my own personal fucking pitchfork or stereo gun, man. I'm very excited about it. Look at you. I know. Yeah, I'm. I, yeah, I've, I've maybe got a top five ready. Right I'm, I'm a new man, but Fiona Apple is definitely high up on that list. Um, we also, uh, like I said, I'll probably give some book recommendations down the line. Um, I've been getting huge into REM lately, so I just want to shout them out. If you don't know REM, really do some deep dives into their early albums. They're great. And Phil, I have, there's one thing I want to talk about before... We're probably pretty close to wrapping up because we don't want to make a two-hour episode about nothing. But I, Correct, I, yeah. I do have one thing I want to discuss with you. Bring it. So probably another episode. We haven't actually discussed this, but I think something we should do in the near future. Um, you know, our minds have been so consumed with what's going on in the world with the coronavirus and stuff. Phil and I, we haven't recorded an episode this calendar year this is the first year of a new decade, which means we have a whole previous decade of best movies of the decade, best songs of the decade, whatever we want to talk about. I imagine we will be discussing at some point our favorite movies of 2019 and of the 2010s, right? That's uh, Sure, I can, yeah. That's something we do. I think that would be fun to do. I've got all, I, I've, I've got those lists already made, so if I could do it in any day. I know you can, baby. Uh, before we do that, um, whoa, I just lost, there we go. Before we do that, so TV, I've been trying to make a concerted effort to get more into, which sounds so weird, because um, watching TV shows is the easiest thing in the world to do. But I've been really slacking, and there really is a ton of great television out there. So I'm making a concerted effort to uh, watch some new shows or pick up on shows that I abandoned. So I decided to Google last night uh, a list of the best shows of the decade because I hadn't really looked. Like, oh, what 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 did people consider the the best of the 2010s? Right. Right. 
I figured we would see stuff like Breaking Bad and Atlanta on most lists. I found a list by the website IndieWire. The top 50 shows of the 2010s. Okay? Okay. I wrote them out. I um, even logged each distributor, each channel where the shows came from to see uh, which network did the best, according to this one site. Um, And I also wrote out a list of what I thought were maybe snubs, either from shows I loved or shows I haven't seen, but I know are critically acclaimed. So... I, I decided to choose this list because it was a top 50, so it's pretty all-encompassing, and I thought it had some very interesting choices, both good and bad. Okay? Sure. Bring it. So, for example, I, I probably won't run down the entire 50 unless you really want me to. But No, I'm, I'm good. I'll pull it up. Yeah, just start it. So, it's IndieWire's top 50 shows of the 2010s. It was an article written in mid-December of 2019. Okay, uh, got it. Number 50, which I thought was an inspired choice, just to, to show you what got me into the, the the list itself, was The Terror. AMC shows The Terror. In my opinion, one of the best horror shows ever released. I thought, oh, I'm going to really like this list. They included this really underseen show that's only had two seasons come out so far. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I end up finishing the entire list. They don't have the best show, horror show of the decade on there, The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. I haven't seen it, and so I can't speak to that. So that was, that was bizarre. Now, if we continue down the list, they have at numbers 38 and 37 two HBO miniseries, Sharp Objects and Olive Kitteridge. Very, yeah. very interesting, right? You continue sure. down the list and get to the end. They don't have the greatest HBO miniseries of all time, Chernobyl. Well, that just came out like twenty within twenty nineteen. Yeah, but I mean, did it? They might have made that list before it even finished airing. No, this was that this was... was December of twenty nineteen. Um, Chernobyl was oh, in the, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, spring, right, right. and they they have some very new shows on there. They have at number twenty Tuca and Birdie on Netflix. I don't know what that is exactly. Um, they have uh, at number thirty the stars comedy party down which aired for one season from 2009 to 2010 so I, have you seen it I, I have and i love it i was gonna say i i do love it <laughs> but i think basically four episodes aired this decade now they have that but they don't have for comedies curb your enthusiasm the office uh i think sorry i would have to imagine that's because they did not start in this decade no, they have Party Down, which started in 2009. They have Breaking Bad, which started in 2008. Do they have Mad Men? They have 30 Rock, which started in 2007. They do not have in the top 50 Mad Men. Hmm. I don't... Um, that makes me question the whole list. Exactly. And they even wrote at the end of the list, they had a list of like five honorable mentions that just missed the top 50 of the decade and Mad Men was on there. And it said, we thought this was one of the best 50 of the decade, but the dip in quality of the last few seasons made us take it off. It, well, yeah, that's bad. And I yell, bullshit, Phil. I, I hate to be one of those guys. This is a super interesting list. I really think it is. They gave me some great recommendations. Mad Men is not in the top 50 of the decade, not even of all time. 
of the decade, Phil. I mean, and here's the other thing. I I won't say I don't like it, but I was not that thrilled by The Leftovers. I thought it was interesting. The Leftovers is the, number one on this list. Number one, yeah. I'm looking at it at number one, and I am just like a very interesting show. A lot of ambition. Tried some really cool things. Very powerful moments. Not a bad show. Not a bad show at all. But number one? Give me a break. They have Mad Men outside of the top 50, and at number 49 is True Detective. And also, like, Fleabag. I, I finally caught up with Fleabag. Fleabag is um, number two, for those who are not F- looking at the list. Fleabag is six hours long total. Um, its entire two-season run is, you know, they're three-hour episodes, or three-hour seasons, basically, because there's six 30-minute episodes. So it takes six hours to watch the entire show. I don't know how you even compare that to Breaking Bad at number three, which has like 70 hours of some of the, you know, top television ever made. And uh, above even, I don't know, and Hannibal's at number five? You know, I don't know. Well, above- Hannibal's an inspired choice. I was, I was uh, pleased with Hannibal. Maybe maybe but, five is high, but Hannibal's a great Yeah, show. I was going to say, but they have it above Your Precious Americans at number eight I, and above 30 Rock. And I'm just like, ah, no, th- come on, guys. I agree. I mean, we're never. Here's the thing: we're never. No one's ever going to agree completely with the list. Um, normally, you know, if if they have something like say Hannibal at five and Thirty Rock at number seven, I'm not going to get you know up in arms over that or whatever. The idea, but to not include Mad Men at all, it does not include Mad Men at all. That is insane. The Office, which maybe isn't my favorite show, I think it's very very funny, especially Steve Carell on that show. But more than that, it is. At this point, so iconic. It is basically the defining comedy of the 21st century. And it's it's nowhere on the list. I think that's crazy. Um, they do have some really cool choices. Like I said, I think the terror at number 50 is really cool. I love that Fargo made it, even though it's only at number 40. Twin Peaks, the reboot, made it at number 32. Um, a really brilliant <laughs> comedy, Nathan, for you at 29 is on there. So there's some really interesting choices here and i think you know if people are looking for new shows to watch no one has seen all 50 of these if you have you you just watch too much tv even though these are for the most part some really interesting television shows but if you're looking for new things to watch there's a lot of netflix on here there's a lot of fx shows which are, are now available on hulu there's some amc there's some nbc shows um so there's a ton of stuff to watch but yeah, I, yeah, watch those. Don't watch Tiger King. I just thought that that was interesting. I want to talk to you about Tiger King. Okay. Have you seen it? No. Okay. I've seen it all. I watched it. I all. do not want to watch Tiger King. It's, I mean, it's not, it's not that it's like, it's just not good. I like, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's engaging. They are certainly characters that will make you laugh at different moments, but the actual like quality of the filmmaking and some of the storytelling choices, um, it, it'll, especially this eighth episode that they just released with like, it's just it it'll, it's really gross um and the, there's yeah it's poor filmmaking and i think people are taking the wrong message from the 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 show which is that joe exotic is an awful human being review at number 22 is a really good choice um yeah I, here's my problem with tiger king and i haven't seen it i hate i don't want to be that fucking douchebag who shits on a thing that everyone loved i hate being that guy I was that guy when I was a kid, and I sucked. And I don't want to go back to that. But from what I know about Tiger King, what I've heard about it, the little bits I've seen, it seems like it's a lot of animals who are being abused and in distress. And No. 
it is there, not it that. Is, it is featured. There are definitely. I will not say that that is not there, but it is not every episode. It's not that is not the most troubling aspect of like what makes the show troubling. I mean, that's definitely there and hard to watch at times. But it's not like endless sequences of animals cruelty. Not animal cruelty, but isn't it a bunch of like animals that should be out in the wilderness, kind of trapped and imprisoned, like a like a blackfish type of thing? But in a um, yes, but I would say that the episodes. That's not their main focus. The epi- I think, if anything, the problem with the show is that it seems like they're sitting down to make a show about the endangered cat problems and the freaks who, you know, control these cottage industries of, like, underground tiger selling. And uh, it seems like they're trying to kind of do, like, a very journalistic thing, but then got very distracted by the characters and uh, kind of got very distracted by the colorful side stories and rumors and music videos and kind of the personalities and just completely lost the thread of what they were doing. So there's so much like, um, like uh, there's an episode, uh, have you heard, you know, there's Carol Baskin, who's basically the, the main plot of the show. For those of you who don't know is essentially there is a guy who is called the tiger King. He owns, um, it is a portrait of him and two other people who are basically, all three running separate tiger kind of kingdoms. Uh, two of them have petting zoos, like these giant petting zoos. That's the main Tiger King guy and this other guy in North Carolina. And then there's Carol Baskins, who is this other kind of, she saves, uh, she recovers these tigers from these people. Uh, so she kind of has cages of her own, but she does it as like a sanctuary. And she's trying to kind of shut Joe Exotic down and his whole operation. So it's about these three. I like this very- Carol Baskin character. Well, if Carol. Ba- um, well, if you 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 would think that based on the description, but then you meet Carol and you realize C- Carol is just as crazy or seems just as crazy as Joe Exotic right. and these other people, and you're like, oh, all these cat people are fucking nuts. So instead of trying to investigate them, hashtag kind of not all cat it, people. Continue. It, sure, sure. Um, but big cat people. Hashtag big cat people. Well, and big people who are cat people are big cats. Like. Uh, people who are big fans of the movie cats Ooh, that includes me too yeah um but we're the... doing a cat sing-along uh watch long episode next week too i haven't told you that but i should watch the film first but the uh so basically yeah so instead of it's basically these personalities so to give you an example of like the shoddy storytelling is there's all these rumors that carol baskin killed her previous husband and uh inherit and tried to inherit all his money so the show which is i think seven episodes long uh and they did like an eighth episode as like a special is seven episodes long and one whole episode is basically dedicated to this rumor that carol baskin killed her husband it's not founded there's no legal evidence for it whatsoever it's just basically joe exotic being like carol baskin she fucking did it man i fucking know it and then they'll kind of like use footage of carol and she does and they use it clearly edited in a weird way to make her look even worse she's already weird but they're kind of you can tell by through some of the editing techniques they're kind of holding on shots of her a little bit longer than maybe you normally would and it just makes her kind of come off stranger so the show kind of just makes you feel gross because you're like i mean carol's fucking weird i'm not sure that i should be rooting for joe exotic more than uh, Carol Baskin's in this situation and like Joe wants to kill Carol and I feel like there are people that think that's funny and uh, are like yeah let's kill Carol Baskin she killed her husband we know it and the the filmmakers seem to have no qualms with that kind of being a distraction it's much more about that stuff than it is about the cats it doesn't care about the cats at all which is what I or I shouldn't say that 
at all, but it clearly kind of forgets about them early on. Yeah, and that's kind of, that is largely what I've heard about the show, and that's kind of why I'm not interested in it, and why I'm kind of disturbed by how popular it's become, because, you know, I don't want to shit on, it's really, I don't know, passe to shit on all reality shows. I think, you know, there there are a lot of reality shows that are interesting, and I think once we got past that first wave of this golden age, quote-unquote, golden age of reality television, where a lot of it was shows like what Tiger King seems to be about, where you shit on, you kind of laugh at crazy people, right, to make yourself feel better right. or whatever. Um, we kind of moved past that and got into maybe a more refined or interesting um, era of reality television. This seems like a reversion back to that first wave of reality TV where we're just shitting on, we're just kind of laughing at crazy people. And um, the idea that they don't really care about the animals or that it was maybe about highlighting these issues going on with these animal uh, quote-unquote sanctuaries and they kind of just left that alone because, hey, look at these, uh, like, uh, almost like a Grey Gardens thing. They like, hey, we have to completely change the, the story of this because look at these people. We have to focus on them. And I'm not shooting on Grey Gardens at all. I think they handled that in a very interesting manner where they showed a lot of pathos to those characters, those real-life people. But I think, yes, exactly. Um, why are you forgetting about these animals in distress? And why are you... Why has the response to the show been to lionize guys like Joe Exotic, who by all from every bits and pieces I've seen and heard about sound like a complete idiot and an asshole? It's just weird to me. And I don't know. I don't want to focus on it. I haven't seen it. So I should just shut my mouth and let people enjoy what they want to enjoy. But it is it's this weird it's this weird negative thing that kind of irks me when I when I see it pop up. And I get it, man. We're in a quarantine in the middle of a pandemic. Enjoy what you want to enjoy. I'm going to shut up and stop talking about it. Well, yeah, I would say it seems the reason I started watching it is because I think I was under the impression that it was a true crime uh, series and uh, like make more of a making a murderer type I, show. I also thought and, that for the record. That's yeah. kind of what I thought I was getting into. And it became very clear like by episode three, I was like, the crime element of this is very flimsy at best. There's not much to that at all. This seems much more just about hanging out with these fucking psychos. And the, I, I would say if you're looking, if you are interested in true crime, the much, much, much better true crime documentary happening right now is on HBO. It's about the Atlanta child killings. Um, it's on, they've aired episode three of the five. The fourth one is going to air in a couple days. And it's all about the child killings in Atlanta in the 70s. Uh, there was, I think, like 30 kids that went missing. Uh, it was covered in Mindhunter season two, another great television show that unfortunately is not coming back. And the... Wait, what? It's, uh, it's done after two seasons? Yeah, the Netflix did not renew the actor's contracts. They're not going to do a season three. Oh, that's devastating. I know. I love that show. So instead, we're getting Mank from David Fincher. I guess he was like, all right, I'm going to go finally make my movie then. And uh, so there's apparently not going to be any more seasons of Mindhunters, but season two is still fantastic and largely revolves around the Atlanta child killings as well. And that was kind of a nice buffer for me to getting into this. But this is a much more sober and serious and um, professionally well-made and journalistic true crime doc that I would highly recommend. It's airing right now on HBO. So I haven't seen um, yet season two of Mindhunters. I've been kind of saving it. 
Um, cause I didn't want to get super into it and then have a super long wait until season three. I guess now that that's not happening, I can just go to season two. Um, this may be a bit of a spoiler for those who haven't seen Mindhunters, but I, I want you to answer this. I'm fine with you spoiling this for me. Um, for those who have watched at least season one of Mindhunters, uh, or Mindhunter, I forget, uh, you'll, you'll remember... Okay, you'll remember that they keep kind of showing glimpses of this one guy. And yeah. you assume it's... No. <laughs> um, no, you're. they keep doing that. And um, I think the intention is that over the course of like multiple seasons, you would have finally gotten... To, well... So I know who that uh, I yeah. know who that serial killer is I, just from being a I serial killer weirdo. So my question yeah. was, they do not wrap up that. They don't get to they him. D- they do not wrap that up. I think the best way... Oh, that's such a bummer. Um, I think the best way to view that is... I mean, I don't think it's that big a spoiler. Basically, the, the episodes start with the kind of look at this guy, very brief picture, uh, scenes of him going about his daily life, and it's implied that he's slowly but surely developing a thirst to kill. Yes. And it, it seems like the show will eventually get around to this guy, um, but it doesn't. And I eventually... I think if you do your research or know your serial killers, you can find out who it is that they're talking about. And I think one of the most fascinating elements of that, which work in the show is kind of, it's this, it's a reminder of all the killers that we don't, that we're not even aware of that are like happening right now. It's like, yeah, these, the show's about the FBI looking into serial killers and all they can talk to are people who have already killed. Um, they can never talk to anybody who's actively killing or, you know, they can't watch them go about the process. So in a way it's kind of this like, evil thing that's out there that they can never know they'll never be able to see this part of this guy's journey um so yeah unfortunately it is not they do not get more into it than they did in season one it is still a device that is used but no um so that was so exciting to me because i'm gonna spoil who it is so if you i mean i guess if the show has ended now after two seasons it doesn't really matter, but that was... No, yeah, it's it's yeah. you can spoil but it. But yeah, spoiler warning for those who uh, don't want to know for whatever reason. That was the BTK killer. And I was so excited for the idea that uh, these criminal profilers were going to have this epic series-long quest to try to capture the BTK killer, who eventually uh, was captured. Right. Yes. He, he was yeah. he was caught. So it was going to they were they were setting up this great journey about one of the most uh, notorious serial killers in American history. I was so excited for that. Uh, what a bummer. And that's. Yeah, I'm seeing he killed between 1974 and 91. So he was active for like 16 years killing without anyone knowing about it. Yes, I, I believe it was going to be they were going to try to track him down, probably get close to finding him and maybe screwing up and having a lot of stops and starts. Um, yeah, but maybe that would have only happened if the show got to like season seven or eight or something like that. Who knows? But um, the show is still amazing. And if you're really into true crime, I actually think season two is maybe better than season one. That's awesome. Um, Cause season one was great. Yes. Yeah, so, and season one, two has Charlie Manson and a couple other big killers. If you're into that stuff. So uh, I would recommend that there's all much better stuff. than, yeah. And uh, shell and I have considered, Taking the drive up to Cielo Drive, haven't done it, but we in our list of things to do, we're like, do you want to get creepy and weird and go visit that street for some reason? I don't know what we do there besides stand there and go like, yep, 
Yep, Cielo Drive, for those who don't know, is the uh, address of the Manson murders, the infamous Manson murders, Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski's house. Uh, I have done that drive with some friends who came out to visit. You can't see anything, so um, okay. there's there's a big gate you know, at the entrance to the house, and the house is so far off and inside uh, the hills that you can't even get a glimpse of the house. So is it like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like it's basically just like pulling into a cul-de-sac? No, it's... Um, uh, I think they remodeled a lot of the front, so it's it's really just like off the road as far as I remember. It's been a while. But I, I think they also maybe did some renumbering of that street. So I think the, yeah. the actual address of uh, Polanski's house at the time, um, I think the numbers are now different. Hmm. Um, I, could, well, I could be wrong about that, but no, it does not look like it looks in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There's not a giant Roger or uh, uh, Dalton. I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Rick Dalton. Uh, Rick Dalton poster in the driveway. Sadly, no. That would be great. maybe there is now. I saw. I I did that drive pre O U A T I dot 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 H. So uh, maybe they've put that up now and they're a little cheeky about it. Uh, Barry well, Barry is yeah. number twenty four on that list. Another good choice. What were you gonna? I've not seen Barry. That that I've not seen Barry. Um, another movie or a show about a killer. And yes. uh, yeah, but anything else you want to talk, anything else you want to recommend? I feel like, uh, I feel like we're just kind of spitballing now, but we can be, you know, it's nice to get reintroduced. It's nice to start the pod up again. I think it'll be more interesting even when uh, this whole thing's slightly more uh, over and we can meet in person to do episodes. I feel like that'll uh, add a new element that we're not used to. Maybe, maybe I'll tease you more. Maybe we'll get in some battles. Who knows? I, I hope so. I think you and I do a pretty good job of uh, being able to talk remotely where there aren't a lot of like weird pauses and stuff like that. But I am very much looking forward to that. And as long as you don't lie to me about where you go, once the quarantine is lifted, <laughs> once the quarantine is lifted, I'm totally down to do it in place. I mean, we can also keep a bit of distance. Like I said, um, Sarah, who maybe we should cut this part out. I'll ask her. But um, she actually got tested for the coronavirus because she was having some symptoms, and she came back negative. So good. Um, we have been hanging out, but you know, keeping our distance. Like we're not sitting on each other's laps or anything like that. Like we try to be responsible about it, and we don't sit, we don't really hang out with anybody else. So I think if you and I do something like that while recording the podcast, it would be okay. Um, but yeah, I would say. Uh, in terms of music, definitely check out the Fiona Apple, new Fiona Apple album, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. There's some new music I will also talk about in a later episode. Um, watch Mind Hunters, listen to REM, watch the Chicago Bulls documentary on ESPN. Watch the Atlanta uh, True Crime doc on HBO. And we, uh, we will talk about uh, specifics a lot more. Um, if you want to follow along with us i would recommend watching the ben affleck movie the way back within the next week maybe some of that chicago bulls documentary um maybe on which is onward i plan on i plan on watching the pixar movie onward so we can talk about that and some new horror movies like uh, swallow other lamb which is available to rent um if there are any new release horror movies you can anticipate watching those and having us talk about it maybe we can talk about the invisible man in an upcoming episode sure 
I, uh, I'd have to, re- my, uh, shell hasn't seen that. So I think she might like that. That'd be an interesting one to talk about. Oh, you should, um, you should rewatch it then. Yeah. I, I, well, I think she thought it looked scary and that's why she wasn't initially very thrilled to see it. Um, not that she doesn't like scary movies, but they're not, I think her number one priority. And, uh, so she avoided it, but then I saw it and I was like, I actually think you'd really like that. one. Yeah. It's, re- uh, it's really it's, not too scary. And I think it's about a, a topic that shell would be interested in. Yeah. It's much more of a, like, kind of good thriller i think with a sci it's almost a sci-fi thriller if anything yeah i mean but, I, I would call it a horror movie but not the scariest for sure yeah so yeah go everyone go check out movies i mean i'm sure you're not doing anything else right now except uh, i guess unless you have kids uh neither of a i have my daughter but she's grown in, in ohio so she's not exactly bothering me currently um i'm like i'm sure some young kids are who are i'm sure much harder to deal with and yeah Go watch movies. Go listen to music. Go read some books. Get some work done. Try not to kill yourself or other people. And go outside. Get some fresh air. I'm sure at this point most people know it, but there was a lot of misinformation and differing um, advice people were getting early on. If you don't know by now, if you're still not sure, you can go outside. You can go for a walk. Uh, The wind is not going to attack you and give you the coronavirus. Just keep a safe distance from people and enjoy the fresh air. Do not stay cooped up in your apartment or your house all day, every day. You will go fucking crazy. Take my word for it. Is your uh, hot tub uh, open or have they shut that down? No, that's all shut down. The gym, the hot tub, the common area, it's all shut down. I was curious. Yeah, I was curious if they like shut your gym down and stuff. Yeah, I mean, especially something like the hot tub where it's small. People are going to be sweating in there. That's not a good idea. No, I was just curious. Not that I would get in there if they were open, but I was just curious. Yeah, no, all that all that stuff shut down pretty quickly. The uh, all the common areas are are closed. Even like there, you know, those those little uh, outdoor areas where the grills are and people can barbecue. All that stuff is technically closed, but how can you really enforce that? So like people still walk around there and let their dogs take craps, but um, all the the pool and uh, hot tub area is completely locked off. You can't even get in there. Same with the gym. Same with the hangout common area where they have like some couches and stuff. So uh, the leasing office is still open. You can still go there if you need to, but um, they encourage you to avoid it if possible. All right. Well, that said, I think that's the show for this week. Yep. So uh, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show. I, we'll have to get everything up and running again. I'm sure you know that won't take too long. No. But um, every one of those uh, you know shares and subscribes and ratings helps us out. So please do that. We're gonna be much better about being consistent and coming back now, especially now that we're in the same state and kind of through. We, we had some major projects I think really throw us off last time we were doing this. So I think now that those are kind of behind us, and I think we have some more time now. So it should be good going from here on yeah and um i won't be recording at 10 p.m when it's 1 a.m for phil so that's great yeah so i won't be good yeah i won't be as grouchy so um yes thank you zach pitts for our theme music uh we have a facebook page that i'll have to go check on uh leave us comments let us know what you think and uh check us out on youtube as well i'm gonna have to upload these to youtube yay and uh yeah so um you can find us on twitter at bindi tom bindi all one word uh no and, uh, no um, no no delete that that, delete that, that is my instagram Bindi Tom Bindi oh, yeah, B I N D I yeah, yes. Tom B I N D I. Uh, Twitter is Big Fat Bond, all one word. But to be honest, I don't really go on Twitter that much anymore. So if you really want to um, say hi, come on Instagram. Oh, interesting. I didn't know you weren't uh, on the Twitter anymore. Yeah, not really. It wasn't good for my mental health. It's very bad for everyone's mental health. Yes. I have considered getting rid of it recently. But until then, you can find me there. I don't really tweet much. I tend to be more of a reader of Twitter. I don't tweet very often. A lurker. But He's a lurker. I, 
I am a, I'm a social media lurker. I uh, don't often post my thoughts, but I am surely reading yours and uh, creeping on you at all times. Yay. So, all right, Tom, go read a book. I'll go watch a movie, and uh, we'll get back to our quarantine. Sounds I'll good, see buddy. you next week, buddy. Love you. Love everybody. All right, see ya. Bye.